Hello, and welcome to Registered the Podcast, where we highlight some of the incredible minds entering the healthcare profession in the midst of a global pandemic. Whether you work in healthcare or not, we come here to find stories of some incredible young people tackling tremendous challenges head on. Here, we laugh, we cry, we're scared, we're honest. My name is Kelsey, and I'm a NICU nurse, looking forward to introducing you to some of the truly incredible individuals I've met in the healthcare world. So this is a conversation I had with my friend from nursing school, Anna, who's a nurse on a geriatric psych and chronic pain unit in Baltimore. We talk about our experiences balancing nursing school with trying to live a normal undergraduate college experience, and then her experience as COVID and the pandemic started during her final semester, and then as she transitioned to becoming a nurse. We also discuss our shared feelings of anxiety and isolation um, dealing with the pandemic, especially as the holiday season approached at the time that this was recorded. I had a really, really great time having this conversation with Anna. I feel like I learned a ton. And I hope you guys also enjoy it. Anna, hi. It's so good to talk to you again. Oh, hey, Kelsey. Yeah, it's, it's good to talk to you, too. How's it been? How's it going? It's been so long. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's going. Okay, so for everyone who doesn't know you, um, just give me like a quickie background, like a couple sentences, who you are, where you are, what you do. Um, yeah, so my name's Anna. Um, I grew up in North Carolina. I went to college in Pennsylvania with Kelsey. I'm a, I'm a year younger. Um, I'm a new grad nurse at Johns Hopkins, and I'm currently working on a geriatric psych and chronic pain floor. And I am, I've been off orientation for a couple weeks now, maybe like a month. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm going to move back a little bit and tell me about your upbringing and what led you into nursing. Um, yeah, so um, both of my parents were pharmacists or they are pharmacists, I guess. Um, and so I feel like I've always kind of like grown up around healthcare. Um, I'm not like, I feel like I'm not one of those people who have like a super like deep story as to why I went into nursing. Like I like healthcare. I've always been really interested in mental health. Um, and I just kind of was like, oh, let me give nursing a try. Like, you know, this seems like interesting enough. I know I don't want a desk job. So I just kind of was going along with the nursing thing and I really enjoyed it as I was doing it. So here I am. Awesome. Yeah, I like don't have a super huge like event that led me to nursing either. It just kind of ended up making sense when it came time for me to apply for colleges. I kind of like just put everything I like together and I was like, oh, yeah, like I think I want to be a nurse. Um, So definitely relate to that. Um, And now we both went to nursing school together. So I know a little bit, but um, in your words, through your eyes, what was your nursing school experience like? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of look back at it and I honestly don't know how I did it. Um, I mean, nursing school's hard. It's just hard period. But I think just like the time management and like the fact that I like decided, Anna, you're going to have like a social life. Anna, you're going to do like all of these things at the same time. And, you know, the sleep didn't really happen that much. And that's kind of what got neglected. But I mean, it's it's not a blur, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think like some of the classes were harder than others, um, For sure. but I think it's just like generally like a lot of work and it's generally like exhausting. Like, I think the exhaustion part was like the, the big part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I struggled with exhaustion too. And yeah, definitely relate to the struggle of being in a four-year program, like trying to kind of have that traditional undergraduate experience while I was like going through nursing school and going through clinicals. Um, And Anna and I were both in the same sorority too. Um, So then that was kind of an interesting experience too, just like trying to 
you know, live the college life and like, I don't know, go to a party. Um, but then like having to wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to go to my clinicals and just having like crazy hours with nursing school um, and kind of the intense pressure of that. And that was definitely hard for me. I don't know if you want to speak any more to like how that experience was for you. I think like being at like a four year college and nursing such like a small part of it, I feel like very few people who weren't nurses like understood that because uh, I feel like a lot of people are having their like traditional college experience. They're going out, they're doing whatever. Um, I wouldn't really go out if I knew I had clinical the next day, just cause like I care about the patients I'm interacting with, but mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it was really hard to kind of like have that balance. And I think like now that I'm working, just seeing like the amount of people who do nursing, as like a second career or something they pick up when they're older and like realizing like, wow, Anna, like you're becoming an adult and you're doing nursing school and you're learning, like you're learning how to take care of yourself and you're learning how to take care of other people. I'm like, wow, like I really did that. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool looking back on it. And I also really agree that sometimes like other college students didn't necessarily understand I remember um, Anna's the year below me in school and every, like when people join sororities, um, usually there's like a, a night when they do the reveal of like who the person's like big sister is. Like usually in most sororities, you're given like a big sister who's supposed to like guide you and mentor you as you like become a member of the sorority. And it's a lot of fun. I loved being a part of that experience. But that semester was my sophomore year. And I happened to have a clinical on Saturday mornings and big little reveal was Friday night and I lived in the sorority house. And I just, I remember like just the heartbreak feeling that I had, like trying to go to bed at like nine o'clock when I heard like everyone downstairs, like just being so joyful and happy. And people were actually making so much noise that I like had to like come down the stairs and my like pajamas with my like acne cream on my face and I was just like uh guys can we like be a little quieter and like I everyone was respectful of it for sure but what they didn't see was like me being really upset about the fact that I had to do that when I went back to my room and curled up in bed and tried to go to sleep um and I mean that's just like my experience but I think a lot of people who did like a four-year undergrad nursing program starting at 18 might be able to relate to that for you though things got really interesting because when I I was here before you so I finished nursing school and I was starting my first job when COVID began but you were actually living your final semester of your senior year when the pandemic started and I have no idea what that must have been like um tell me like what was that like for you um I mean that was an experience I remember like because I don't think any of us really took it super seriously like I mean I knew it was there and I'm like oh this is bad but I didn't realize like how widespread it is currently um and I remember like I was a little bit nervous to go on like a spring break trip and I was I was in Puerto Rico and you know I get the email saying you're you know you're not coming back, you know, classes are canceled, clinicals are up in the air. Um, They later decided that we're not having clinicals at all either. Um, And, you know, to realize like, oh, like, I'm not going to see people coming back from spring break. Like, what is my education going to look like? You know, that was just like, wham. And, um, you know, I mean, I went back, I kind of split my time between Philly and home just because I, I, it was kind of hard to figure out, like, where am I going to learn better? Like, how am I going to do this? Am I better alone in my apartment or should I interact with my family? Is, you know, that's hard to, like, learn to figure out how you learn better. Um, the nicer thing that I ended up with is that um, my clinical site that I was at, I ended up because I was at a community outpatient site, I ended up front loading most of my hours. So I'm extremely, extremely thankful that I only missed like a couple weeks of clinical rather than most of my semester, which is really when you like 
actually take patience on your own, actually do things rather than like shadowing and then like a few things here or there, like you actually take people. Um, so I'm very thankful that I got that experience because the online clinicals were horrible. It was like this little like person on a screen and they would like cough. And then you would like, you could ask, like you'd have a list of assessment questions and you'd ask assessment questions to them. I think it was on like Kaplan or something. It was horrible, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I got the in-person experience and the clinical side I was at was fantastic. So um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. A lot of people in my class were not as fortunate and did not get like any experience. So in terms of like what that looked like for how nursing school functioned as a whole that semester like what what changed and what was it like for you and for other people um it was all online and I mean I think even because we're healthcare providers the focus very much shifted towards COVID I feel like they left I mean COVID's very real, but they did beat COVID to death. I mean, we probably had 30 minutes out of every hour and a half online lecture where we talked about, you know, adjustments for COVID, how we're feeling about COVID, how healthcare's evolving to adjust to COVID. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things. So did you feel like, sorry, um, did you feel like those were good? Like the COVID, like, information that they gave and opportunities to like reflect and share about your feelings that they provided for you guys I like I'm not sure how many nursing schools did that versus just kind of like tried to like put all of their content like just whatever their baseline content that they usually do just switch it to online without really talking about it and I don't know if that was good or bad or what um, um but what do you think i mean i think it was nice and i think it was nice to and we you know talked about it in small groups and i mean it is overwhelming and you know we're lonely and we have a lot of thoughts um i think it was nice and i think the information was nice and i think what's only probably like this because we were seniors spring semester almost done I don't think it would be the same way if we were younger. I think they would have pushed through stuff because a lot of our course content that we had was kind of like leadership and like, you know, a lot more like softer skills and then learned right. your harder skills in clinical. So they used that more soft skill time for COVID, um, which I appreciated. I do feel like at some point it got beaten to death. I mean, I had fantastic, fantastic professors and all of them asked how you're doing. And it got to the point where, I was a little bit tired of how am I doing because it's the same for months. I'm still here. I'm still sitting on my computer. Um, but I, I do appreciate it. It's a really nice gesture. Um, I don't mind that they asked, you know, if the worst thing is I'm a little bit tired out from saying how I'm doing, then that's not a problem at all. Yeah, exactly. What did just the general like undergrad campus look like after you guys came back from spring break? It was dead. It was dead um you know you would see somebody and instead of you know you'd walk down campus and say oh hey how are you doing you know I mean you always see people walking around there was nobody outside even though the weather was kind of nice you'd see somebody on the street and you'd just walk away from them um at some point people started wearing more masks when that was a thing because at first we didn't really know um mm -hmm. but yeah and it was and you know, campus is also right by the hospital, too. And we'd see the hospital workers and, you know, steer away from them. And it's just like the feeling of wanting to avoid people instead of like, wanting social interaction and wanting to say hello. Um, I mean, you take your daily walk and then go back inside. It, it, it's kind of strange. Yeah, I bet. I like can't even imagine. And you missed out on so much, too. Like for the second semester of your senior year of college, no matter where you go, um, I'm assuming, but at our school, there's a bunch of traditions that they have you do that are a lot of fun. Um, there's like a whole senior week. There's graduation. You didn't even, how was your graduation? That had to have been online. Right? Um, it was online. I mean, there were some good things about it. There were some bad things about it. I mean, in a way, like I miss not to me as a person, I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm not speaking for behalf of everybody, to me as a person, I 
don't need the ceremony. Like I really wanted to have been able to say goodbye to my friends. And I would have wanted kind of that like group setting to celebrate, but I don't need the ceremony. No, I don't need mm -hmm. to listen to everyone's name being called. So, I mean, they did a really fantastic job of an online ceremony. It's not the same as the real one, but you know, I mean, it was nice getting John Legend on there. Um, it was, you know, I mean, it was short, it was sweet, which was kind of nice in a way, you know, and I'm not standing out there in the, you know, 90 degree heat in, you know, cap and gown. So that was kind you know, there's little perks, there's little perks of things. And, you know, I was in the living room with my family, you know, we kind of tuned out for some parts. It, it you know, you make do. Like, it, it's weird because it's so normal for me. And, like, that was just my experience. And, like, I don't even realize half the time that, oh, this isn't normal. Flashback a little bit, too. Back when you were in Puerto Rico and you got that email. And at first the email said, everyone else, classes are online. Nursing students, though, you might have to go in. Did that, like, make you scared at all? How did you feel? Um, I mean, I think it made me a little bit scared of like, you know, I mean, it's a pandemic where nurses, of course, were gonna do things. Sure, like, I'm a little bit scared because we didn't know anything at the beginning. We didn't know anything. We didn't have PPE. We didn't have anything. Um, you know, and I was thankful for myself that, you know, my site already temperature screened people anyway. And people weren't super sick 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 it was um an outpatient surgical center um but you know other people i'm like dang they're gonna be in the er doing this they're gonna be in the icu doing this like wow you know and it, it is a little scary and i'm scared for my friends that are, are out there doing it and i'm even thinking what I'm, what's gonna walk in my door you know it, it was scary right. yeah and it's like interesting because it like not that I would go back and change my major or change what I ended up doing if I knew that this is what was going to happen. But we had no idea. You know? Yeah, like absolutely no idea. And it, it's so weird to be in that position as like a senior nursing student because I have almost the full capacity of like a real nurse. And so it's like, you know, and you see the headlines of, you know, New York City, they're bringing in the, the Navy ship. They're so short. They're so short. And then it's like, well, I'm here. I have skills I can use. Like, I'm useful, even if you need me as a runner. But then, like, I'm also scared. But, like, you're so mm -hmm. short. Like, you you can use us. Like, we're almost real nurses. It, it was just, like, a really weird situation of, like, I kind of want to help. I should be helping. I don't want to risk myself. It's like a really weird, like, just bunch of emotions because you just feel all of them at once. And so, I don't know. I, I was just like, you know, I didn't think that they would put us in there because it's kind of like a liability. So I figured it wouldn't happen, which it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I could have I could have gone either way. I think it would have been an interesting experience to be a nursing student doing that. I think it, you know, Yeah. I, and dealing with that emotional balance, um, your friends who were like other majors didn't really have that experience at all. Did you like talk to them about it? Um, I mean, I kind of just explained like what was happening, but I think like people who are non-nursing majors and just my friends who aren't nurses in general, I think there's just some like emotional disconnect in a way, just because in general we see things that they don't see. And, you know, I mean, did I tell my roommate, hey, you know, I might be going into the hospital. And I did sign up. They actually sent out um, a, an email to senior nursing students of, you know, would you be willing to help if we need to call you? And they didn't call me, but I put myself on the list because I was in Philadelphia for a little bit. Yeah, and I told my roommate that and she was kind of OK with it. You know, I think she probably would have left and, and gone back to New York if I was actually doing that, because it's kind of a risk. But um, mm -hmm. I just think there's an emotional disconnect between people who aren't nurses and nurses in general. Like, I think people try to understand and like, but they, they can't, you know, like, okay, like, are we intubating this man? There's just a lot. It's an emotional profession. We literally watch human suffering as our job. Like, our job is to alleviate human suffering. Like, there's going to be a lot that people don't get.
Yeah. And for us, there's, I feel like there's been a lot of growing up very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you watch your, your first like RRT, you, you know, that's a different, that's a whole other experience. You know, some people watch people die. It's a whole other experience. I mean, it's so weird mm-hmm. because there's like pre-COVID Anna and post-COVID Anna and they feel like two different people. Like they, I, it feels like two different people. And, you know, one person was college kid going to classes. I'd have fun on my weekends. I'd do my happy hours and stuff. And I go to work. I go home now. This is my post-grad life. And it's really weird, too, because I'm like, is this adulting or is this COVID? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that, I relate so much. And same exactly with the pre and post-COVID Kelsey Never did I think I would be making a podcast, but here we are. And so much of what has led me to that was, well, I think it was partially just the experience of starting as a nurse, but also the experience of starting as a nurse during COVID and all of the craziness that that has had for me and for literally everyone who's done it. So changing gears a little bit, um, we talked about you know, what your senior year was like and how COVID impacted um, your nursing school experience. Um, so when you did finish and graduate, give me just a quickie summary of how you studied for the NCLEX and then um, how did you find your job? Oh, we can start with NCLEX. That was that was a whole mess. That was a whole mess. Oh, so, you know, I think most nurses just as people are like very, you know, they, they take their time to study. They study for a few weeks beforehand. I feel like out of the bunch, I'm, I'm more of like the chaotic vibe. Also, COVID really, cool. infect, um, it really affected the timing with NCLEX because there would be, you know, like a three month wait. And that's also linked with the jobs because the jobs want you to have already taken the NCLEX or you're already licensed or you're already waiting, you know, you have a test date. And so that's, that's kind of hard to balance when there's huge waits and I couldn't even get my fingerprint done in the state of North Carolina because they were all closed. So that's a whole journey. I ended up going Mm -hmm. to the middle of nowhere, South Carolina and did a nice little road trip, but I got my. Yeah, I got my ATT in like July and there was a test date that was two weeks from then or November that was in a four four hour radius of me. And so I said, well, Anna, you want jobs. So I got the eight and I was going to go on like a mini vacation type of thing for 10 days out of those two weeks. So I'm like, okay, well, you can study a little bit each each day my boyfriend came down and um you know the five days just you know do a 16-hour study session and you know people study for a few months I feel like or you know a month or so I did a couple hours for 10 days and then basically all of it was five days of cramming um you know I don't recommend you doing it if I can do it I feel like anybody can do it I don't recommend, but it can be done. I passed. <laughs> Yay! Um, I also really relate to the hassle of the bureaucracy with the ATT and the NCLEX and all of that. At one point, I also had to make a road trip to get fingerprinted. And this was before COVID, though. This was just because the world is the way it is. And that road trip actually was the start of my boyfriend becoming my boyfriend. But that's a story for another time. So you told me a little bit that you already had your job lined up before you passed the NCLEX. But tell me a little bit more about, like, your job search and how you found your job. Um, so I think I started looking for jobs, like, beginning of April, maybe. I'm like, oh, it's about time. And, like, I'm at home. Like, sure, like, I'll, I'll look for jobs. Um, so I was pretty, like, adamant that I, I wanted to do mental health. So that's kind of where I started um, looking for mental health jobs. I wasn't set on having a residency program. I think in the end I ended up wanting one, but I wasn't set on that. And I just kind of looked on the East coast from Massachusetts down to Florida. I was like, you know, let me look, I'll apply. Um, 
I had a few interviews. I ended up only getting the one job offer, which is fine because I think that's like the better fit for me personally. And it's it's like a I didn't get to do the shadowing experience that some people do. Um, that was all virtual, but yeah, I mean, I just sent stuff in. It was a really, really stressful process. I remember that. And I remember doing like interviews at home and I'd tell my family, you can't use the Wi-Fi right now. You can't use the Wi-Fi. Do not come to my door. Please control the dog. <laughs> and the job offer I did get, which was the one that I really, really wanted. And they said, oh, we'll let you know at the beginning of the week. And it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm like, they haven't let me. They didn't let me know. They didn't let me know. Okay, I don't have this job. You know, okay. You know, I had a few other interviews. I'll wait from, for them to get back to me. And it was Friday. And they're like, hi, congrats. You know, here's your offer letter. And I just think it's slow. I, I literally, I think HR takes forever. It's, yeah, the bureaucracy of it. It's just, yeah, it takes forever. It's slow. You picked a job in Baltimore. Yeah. And you were looking all along the East Coast, uh, but your family is based in North Carolina. Um, so NC to Baltimore is like not, you know, super close. Um, what like factored into that decision um, for you to move far from your family? And how do you feel about um, I mean, that? I did college far from my family. I do have family in, in New Jersey too. So it's, I mean, it is kind of a middle ground. But my family has always been super encouraging of me to explore. I had a phase briefly where I wanted to do the West Coast, um, but that kind of faded out. Um, they've always been super encouraging of me to go to new places. Um, I think that they knew that North Carolina just wasn't for me. Um, and I, I kind of I want to see new places. I want to do new things. And, you know, I, I want different experiences in different hospitals. I wasn't set on staying in Philly either. So that's kind of how it went. And I was like, you know, wherever I get a job at, I think I'll be happy, you know, and I'm not going to apply to places where I don't think I'd be happy. You know, I'm not, I, I think I like larger cities, but you know, I, I'm like, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, my boyfriend also just happens to be in DC. Was that a factor? Probably. Um, yeah, oh, okay. I, I wanted to be a little bit commutable. He also didn't figure out what he was doing until kind of late, but it, that ended up kind of working out. So, um, yeah. Okay, that's good, because I was going to ask if you knew anyone in Baltimore before you Um, As far as Baltimore, I think I knew, like, one other nurse who was working at the hospital. Um, and I figured, okay, like, all I need is, like, one or two people that I know, and that, like, you know, if I'm dying, they can come and, you know bring me food or something and I do the same for them you know just somebody to know and mm -hmm. then I can kind of expand from there I I don't know I just feel like I'm not super scared of doing something on my own like that's just that's just me like I'm, I'm okay with it but it is nice like having like a very close support system like within an hour of me and I can take a quick train or it's a quick drive you know it's it's nice to have like somebody who like really is connected with me like so I'm going to talk a little bit about your job uh, because geriatric psychiatry and chronic pain is a super niche unit. Um, and I feel like it's not necessarily on the radar of a lot of nursing students. Um, so I want to hear about your experience with it and like what made you interested in the position. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think it's on the radar at all. I mean, I don't think in general people are like, wow, I want to do geriatric psychiatry. Like, no, people don't, you know, if you if you want to do it, you want to do it. Um, I've always been drawn to mental health in general. And so, you know, I wasn't applying to all geriatric psych things. Um, but the the way that it was described to me and the way that I became interested in it. Um, so I've had like clinicals and my community clinical was at a senior center um, and the geriatric psychiatrist would come in like once a month and it just really seemed like there was a higher demand and it for actual geriatric psychiatry. And it seemed kind of like everyone who has some chronic illness ends up being depressed or you're, you know, you're aging and, you know, you're losing some of that independence that you've had. You probably have some mental health need or, you know, need someone to talk to you, if not a diagnosis. 
so I think that was an area that I felt is like very underserved and I became interested in it. And I mean, I like adults. I like older adults. Um, I think they're fun to work with. And then chronic pain too. I mean, I feel like that's always huge topic. And I kind of didn't know what to expect from like a chronic pain unit of like what type of people I'd be seeing, you know, mm -hmm. until I got into the interview, but it seemed like really, really fascinating between like the interaction between physical health and mental health, which is even, I mean, that is the way with chronic pain. And that kind of is the Jerry service too, because they have so many like medical comorbidities with it. So we're not like a, we are like a psych unit, but it's more like med surgery psych. So it's really, it's really a unique combination. Um, you know, for all you listeners out there, I really urge you to like, you know, take a look at it and take interest in it. I mean, I feel like a lot of, you know, and I know, I know you're doing NICU stuff, but like, <laughs> I feel like everyone's like women's health kids babies and I feel like it's a lot of people you know what people do and you know if you're passionate about it definitely go for it but there's so much more out there and you know you don't have to do peds like I find this super super fulfilling and I love my job so you know I I really like it and it's been a great work environment generally so yeah yeah, I mean, that sounds like it would be, like, super fulfilling to be both kind of doing, like, the med surgery type of nursing, but also then really getting to know these people and helping them with what they're struggling with mentally. Like, I could see myself in another world, like, enjoying that, too. Yeah. I do really love my job right now, though, and I am a NICU nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, a little bit more, like, on the specific unit, just because I feel like people don't necessarily know, like, what a chronic pain or geriatric psych unit might look like mm -hmm. um so it's half of the patients are pain patients half of the patients are um geri patients or geriatric patients and so the geriatric patients it's usually older adults who are depressed they've had depression for a while um they've tried a lot of things and that's the thing is they've tried a lot of things because they're older they've just had more time so they've tried a lot of things and a lot of things have failed you know older adults with psychosis type stuff that have tried a lot of things and have failed and then dementia patients with specific behavioral issues so we get some alzheimer's but it's mostly like parkinson's type dementias or lewy body type dementias where you get more hallucinations and then more behavioral issues that stem from that so that's the Jerry service. And then the chronic pain service, um, a lot of back pain, a lot of migraines, and then a lot of um, surgeries gone wrong where they nick something or, yeah, a lot of surgeries. I mean, toe surgeries, ear surgeries, and they nick something. And it's people who have been in pain for like years of their life. And, you know, we're trying to treat their pain and then, you know, create a person who's more present in their life to what that means for them. You know, if they want to have a job again, they can have a job again. If they just want to be able to, you know, talk on the phone for an hour because they weren't able to do that, then that's, you know, their goal for them. So we just want them more present in, in their life. Um, but it's really fascinating work and it's all sorts of different stuff. So day-to-day -day for you as a nurse working with those chronic pain patients who want to be able to do more things that they've been unable to, what does, like, your work look like? What do you do to help them? Um, so they come in, um, you know, a lot of them, and, you know, before the question even starts, the I mean, because I feel like chronic pain is kind of a buzzword, um, yeah, absolutely. I, that was like the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, like, chronic, yeah. It is a buzzword and it is probably associated with um, opioid misuse. And I, I feel like chronic pain is probably linked to opioid epidemic. So the not all of them actually are on a lot of opiates or benzos or anything. Um, you know, people are just suffering. Some of them are and we do taper them. Um because fun fact, the opiates, they're not meant for chronic pain. They actually make it worse because your body, like, I mean, you're obviously get more tolerant to them, but like your body literally makes more receptors, like more pain receptors. 
so that you still feel the pain. Like they're not meant as a chronic solution Oof. at all. Like at all, they're not meant for it. And so, I mean, there's people and they have like, you know, intra, they have many, many, many different things that I didn't even know existed. They have like intrathecal pain pumps. So a surgically paced pump that literally infuses Dilaudid into someone's spine. And, you know, these people are in astronomical amounts of these things. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to supervise your taper because you're actually going to feel better once your withdrawal stops. You're actually going to be in less pain. And there's a lot of like neuromodulation. Um, you know, they can, people do nerve blocks and stuff. Um, yeah, so day to day we do, you know, they go to breakfast. We do our morning, you know, 9 a.m. and pass. They have a lot of different groups. Um I'd say half or over half are nurse-led group therapies. Um, they do OT, they do PT, they do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, some some people aren't as active and don't attend groups. Um, you know, so I feel like we're busy. You know, we do med pass, we run groups, we chart. You know, we hang out with our patients. And the one thing that I, I absolutely love about the job is that like part of my job is like I pretty much block in times in the afternoon to sit and talk with my patients for probably like 30 to 45 minutes each um wow which is fantastic and you know I mean some days it's more lighthearted because the average length of stay for these patients is like five or six weeks which is very different for, um, you know, from a lot of hospital settings. So you get to know them. We know the whole floor. Mm -hmm. We don't even do like report in the same way that other people think of report. We do like updates on every single patient. So we all know what's going on with everybody. Mm -hmm. We'll have them at some point because everyone stays for such a long time, but I get time to talk to them. You know, sometimes it's, you know, talking to them about what they're anxious about sometimes. I mean, it's really fulfilling. Well, thank you so much for sharing about chronic pain and your perspective, because I think that there's a lot of buzz around the topic, but very rarely do people get to hear from someone who is directly patient facing every day. Um, so I think that's super cool. And I also think it's super cool how much time you have to spend with your patients um, and how you're really getting to work with them on a physical and mental emotional level. So you, you've shared a lot about like your day-to-day life already. Um, but if you could give me kind of a rundown of like what it's like for you in terms of like your personal schedule for like days that you work or nights that you work, um, like when you wake up, um, what your like flow looks like, how you plan your days and then what your life looks like outside of work too. Um, so on a day that I do work, um, we get eight hour shifts, which is phenomenal. So I prefer evening shifts. Um, but I do do my fair amount of 12. So I'll wake up at like 520 ish. Um, AM, AM, AM. If this is, I'm going in for a 12, I'm going in for a 12. Um, I wake up at like 520 AM, you know, after I've hit snooze a few times, cause I can't (laughs) get up. You know, I wash my face, brush my teeth, um, you know, put on my scrubs, put on some makeup, feed myself. Um, I do have a pet that I've gotten recently. Um, so I, I feed him and then I feed my plants. Yeah, I do that. You know, I usually have my lunch set out in the fridge and I have, you know, everything that I need for the day set out and I get up and I go. And I mean, I take my time, you know, I, I like doing my makeup in the morning. That's something that's a nice little routine for me. Some people don't like it. I do. I go into work. The nice thing about work is I can kind of walk in right around seven because we do our huddles at seven fifteen instead of, um, you know, like earlier than seven. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I do my work. I leave at like seven thirty. Um, get home at like seven fifty ish. I eat my dinner. I, you know, make phone calls to friends because I need that social interaction in my life. Um, yeah. You so, know, I, I obviously shower before I do any of that. Um, yeah, I just kind of read. Um, currently, I'm like reading a book with one of my patients, actually. She recommended it and she's here for a while. So we're doing that. 
um together which is cool. oh, I love that yeah it's like a little mini book club it's a it's a little mini book club it's just little things that you do with patients is nice um so I'm I'm reading and then I kind of go to sleep because I'm probably wiped out um I play with my I play with my um lizard too I have a I have a bearded dragon so okay, I play with that, that's your that's your pet that's my lizard. pet that's my pet oh my gosh cool I don't think I know anyone who has a bearded dragon. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like with nursing, like, I'm allergic to cats, and I feel like dogs would be, like, too much of a time commitment with, like, 12-hour shifts, and I, I do 16 sometimes, too. Wow. Yeah. So, I feel like a dog would be too much of a time commitment, but bearded dragons are the only reptiles that can show emotion, and they have, like, a whole personality. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a sassy little guy. He has his attitude sometimes, but he's really sweet. Um, he's he's a cuddly boy. So yeah, I hang out with him. Yeah, I do reading a lot now. Yeah. Yeah. What's your life like on your days off? On my days off, well, I do a lot of sleeping. Um, I sleep in probably until noon, because that's when my natural clock is. Um, I'm not a. I don't think I could do nights a lot um but I'm not a morning person either I'm in that weird in between so I probably sleep until noon um it's kind of random I mean I catch up on my life of you know laundry dishes type of thing you know I mean I'll watch my tv sometimes you know um I'll take walks I, I need my walks I need my outside time um so I'll walk around the neighborhood um you know I've gone to a couple of museums or I'll you know do takeout at a coffee shop or something I just try to have like little activities. I do like hiking. So um, some days, you know, I'll get everything ready for myself, you know, dishes and stuff. And then I'll go hiking and kind of do my afternoon activity. And then I kind of just, you know, come home and it's a lot of relaxing. It's a lot of relaxing because I feel like as a new nurse, I'm just constantly and I think that's a balance that I'm trying to work with right now is that I'm like really exhausted and how do I make myself less exhausted so I'm not just, like, dead on my days off? I mean, I still do stuff, obviously, but, like, I don't want to be, like, dead. Oh, my gosh. Uh, totally same, especially now that I'm, like, on nights, like, my days off. I'm just, like, confused. Yeah. I'm, like, exhausted, but I also, like, don't even know what time it is sometimes. Like, it's weird. Um, but that's actually, like, a really perfect transition, I feel like. Um, if you could talk about like some of the struggles that you faced as you transitioned into your job um, that could be like in the workplace, but also just like lifestyle related, like outside of the workplace too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and so I think trying to be like more present on my days off is definitely like a struggle and to, you know, just feel well rested in, in general. That's a thing. Um, honestly, like, and I think this is a COVID problem. And I think this is like being a nurse during COVID. Like, it is kind of lonely. Like, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I still, you know, will FaceTime friends and stuff. But I feel like it's really, really hard to meet people in a new city during COVID, you know. And I was never really afraid to do a new city by myself. And I figured, oh, I can meet people. I can do whatever. Um, the people on my floor just tend to be like, older and experienced and it's a nice floor because people stay forever but there's not that many like new people my age you know they're all 40 with kids who are my age mm -hmm. and so I feel like that's kind of been like a challenge and you know I'm not going out and doing a ton of things so it, it is a little bit harder to meet people um that's that's something I wish I could get you know a little bit more of I mean I've I've met a few people from NRP but you know, meeting people with a nursing schedule. Oh, are you on nights this week? Oh, I'm on days. Oops. Yeah. Like we can't hang out. Yeah. My apologies to the various friends I've made during orientation that tried to hang out with me and then it never worked. Like, yeah. I mean, there's people like, I don't know if you have your like orientation friends too that I like, I love them. They're so sweet, but I did not. And they were like not working on my unit. They, they were just, like, doing, like, general hospital orientation. I was like, oh, my gosh, she seems so nice. I'd love to hang out with her. And then once we both started working, it just – there was no way. Yeah. I mean, there's people who I've, you know, will check in, you know, every couple weeks with, oh, hi, I'd love to hang out. And it never happens just because it's so, it's so busy. 
Yeah. And then I feel like COVID stress is definitely like a thing. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Um, I mean, I think this is just more recently and, and just even in the past week, cause I think it was just like a really tough week. And again, like it's nice because all of our patients are there for a while. And so, you know, that, you know, after their couple of weeks, they're probably, you know, like not COVID, you know, everyone tests negative before they come in. We do have a PUI suite. So we test everybody who's like um, suspected of COVID and we bring them up because we have the negative pressure room. So we do that. Um, You know, I mean, it is short staffed because staff are getting COVID. And then we had our first staff to patient transmission this week. which I was there for, and then we're like rapid responding the sky, and mm, this is a mess, um, but that's scary. And then I'm like, oh, you know, COVID, you know, and I know, I mean, everyone has coworkers who have COVID, and it's like, oh, well, do I come home for Thanksgiving? Can I come home for Christmas? Currently, I'm, you know, because I had this patient the day for 16 hours the day before he tested positive. So I'm kind of working on my access to testing and whether I need to quarantine because this is a, you know, patient who it's hard to get some psych patients to wear masks. Um, And then, you know, some patients who just aren't cognitively there to wear masks, like it's really difficult Um, so that wasn't happening the whole time either. I mean, I'm in my stuff, but yeah, so it's, it's just stressful in general. It's, it's just stressful. And the, the RRT was not, it was hectic, but yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting week, but just COVID in general. I mean, I think for any nurse, it's scary and it's it's exhausting and it's hard. Well, I think you're showing such incredible strength that you're able to just recover as much as you have from that RRT and from these like close call experiences I think oh, I mean I, I mean, know people outside of healthcare who like they, they get stressed out from just being in public um but and I can't imagine how like stressed out they would be if they had to deal with those types of situations what do you think has enabled you to have this strength to continue to like exist and live your life while you're going through these um, potential COVID interactions? Um, I mean, my friends and family have been, you know, and boyfriend have been tremendous, tremendous support, even though they're not there with me. Am I going, I'm not going to lie. Like I did leave sobbing. Um, you know, my other coworker got out of the elevator and I was alone. I'm like, all right, this is when the breakdown starts. And did I vomit in the parking deck? Yeah, I did vomit in the parking deck. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, I think you got to use your supports, you know, when you do need it. I've, you know, I'm lucky that I do have like a fantastic, fantastic support system. Um, you know, and, but the nice thing about being a psych nurse is at least I kind of understand, I don't use all of them, but, you know, I understand that they're coping skills and things. And I'm like, okay, Anna, what do you tell your patients? Because you have to actually do this yourself now. Because um, I feel mm-hmm. like nurses in, in general, just with like self-care, they'll, you know, they tell their patients things, but they don't take care of themselves. So I kind of have to remind myself of, if you were a patient, what would you tell them? Because what you tell yourself is probably different. Um and so I kind of have to like reframe it like that, but that's, that's kind of like, I mean, I just kind of have to keep going and what's in my control, what's out of my control, being upset's not going to make it better. That's just kind of, that's kind of how I've, I've been handling just any, any sort of stress. I mean, it's in nursing, it's with COVID, but I mean, like, you know, and that was me and that was like my first RRT, but I'm like, people do, you know, I mean, this is on a psych unit that isn't as like we have RRTs, but we're not as prepared. But some people, some nurses do this, like, all the time and have multiple, like, a day. So it's it's definitely, like, different. But I have, like, fantastic support. Um, I'm making sure to, like, eat well, you know, to – I don't love cooking, but I'm, like, I'll do something nice with food. Um, <laughs> you know, I've had – I didn't end up making an apple pie for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cook myself an apple pie because I have the stuff for it. So why not? You know, so you got to treat yourself 
and just for for other nurses i feel like treat yourself like you treat your patients just yeah because i i feel like we kind of neglect ourselves sometimes so treat yourselves like you would treat a patient anna that is a really incredible reminder and i'm just i'm really amazed and blown away by your mindset um i think a lot of people hopefully are going to be able to learn and benefit from that perspective one thing that you and i talked about a little bit that has been on my mind increasingly that i kind of wanted to just get off my chest is you told me about how you kind of had to cut back on scrolling through social media and i've kind of had to do the same because we go through these experiences in our workplace and then we open our phones and we see people young people hanging out without masks in gatherings yeah i just learned that i i have to stop and i know that it's like you know our age people and so the people who i'd probably see on my social media and it's it's really upsetting because you know my patient didn't bring a phone in and they can't speak to their family for weeks you know i am you know watching them almost intubate a man and, you know, people are at the restaurant, you know, or I, I see Twitter and, oh, but we, we want our normal lives. Or I've even seen some really hot takes of, you know, oh, you know, well, if it's easy to social distance if you don't have friends. That was one that I saw recently. Um, you know, like it, it, I can't do that, you know, and it, it's so disheartening to see that. And so I just, I don't. I, you know, I'll, if it's a day off and I, I really limit my time cause it's just going to make me angry. And I'm like, what am I getting out of this? Like, what am I getting out of this? And yeah, it's just, I guess people think that like the need to post content on their feed is more important than the health of others, but I'm not going to change their minds. I don't think anything's going to change their minds. So I'm just at this point, people are selfish so I got to do something, too, if I got to do what's good for me and not look at it. You know what? You might not. But also, on the other hand, one of my little dreams and part of why I want to do this is I just hope I could maybe reach someone who's th- sitting there thinking, like, oh, how is that girl, Anna, who was in my writing some freshman year that, like, I think she was a nursing major. Like, I wonder how she's doing. And they listen. And maybe, maybe, just maybe hearing part of your story might change their mind in some way. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, I think it could work because I think like generally with people, it's a thing of like, it's not like a concern to you or it's not relevant unless it's happened to you or somebody close to you. And so if me talking hopefully like would resonate with somebody you know, and that's a more personal story rather than some numbers that, you know, on the news that don't really make sense to people. Um, you know, if if something more personal really resonates, I, I hope it does so. I hope it does so. I really do. Yeah, me too. So we covered a lot um, and got into some, some dark stuff, but I want to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, every interview I do, I have these like fun surprise questions so it's just kind of like a speed round um so just no pressure think of the fastest answer you can so ready go coffee versus tea and what do you order coffee i do a starbucks peppermint mocha non-fat milk i do it year round they do sell it year round you can ask for it year round. really wow cool um what do you listen to on your way to and from work um it really varies um you gotta be your own hype man so i do a lot of rihanna i love rihanna she's a queen um yeah true um are you a meal prepper or a order inner um i don't meal prep i really don't meal prep no favorite brand of scrubs favorite brand of scrubs I actually don't know like many brands of scrubs because like we have to have Cherokee. I do like the Cherokee like joggers. Like I like the jogger style. Um, mm, I have those too actually. Yeah. So I like those. Um, yeah. I mean like figs is really problematic. So no, just not figs. <laughs> Who should chart at 7 a.m.? Who should chart at 7 a.m.? Yeah. Day shift or night shift? That's night shift. 
Okay. What sea animal are you? Um, a narwhal. Cool. Why? Oh, this is just something I thought of just randomly. Because I, I wanted, like, a unique one. And that, you know, I mean, they're they're cool whales. They're cool whales. And they have, like, a, they have like a horn. And I just think, I don't know. I didn't have a super deep explanation. You said this was lightning round, so I'm, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of mean for me to ask you why. But, okay, everyone, you heard it here. Anna is a whale with a horn. Um, favorite smell? Favorite smell? Mm. I actually like the smell of coffee. I like the smell of coffee. Mm, that's a good one. Me too. Me too. Okay. So final question. Um, what's next for you? Like, is there anything coming up that you're like super excited about? Um, I mean, like I'm excited for the holidays. I'm going to put my Christmas tree up soon, which is, which is nice. Um, I think I'm excited. Yeah. To see my family, hopefully, hopefully for the holidays. Um, I mean, like, work-related, like, I am taking, uh, they let me be, like, a champion for, like, a new committee, so that'll be exciting. Um, I get a couple days off next week, so I'm excited for that, too. I get a couple days in a row. Cool. Um, wait, also, can you tell me more about being a champion? Um, yeah, so I guess they were going to have this service added earlier, so, um, like I've said previously, it's a geriatric psych and chronic pain floor. Um, so they're adding a woman's health service as of, I think in March, they're going to, they pushed it back a year. And so it's going to be like mostly for postpartum depression patients. And, um, there's a new drug that got FDA approved in 2019, Brexonolone, that, um, acts kind of like a benzo and you do like a 72 hour infusion and it really, really helps with postpartum depression and so we're going to be doing that on the floor. And so they needed people who wanted to be more involved with that service and to kind of take those patients in and to be more trained on like the Brooksonolone protocol specifically. Um, so I was like, hey, I think this is really interesting and cool. Um, and so and I, I actually I reached out to my boss. I think that's nice. You got to You got to just advocate for yourself and, and what you want, because if you don't do it, no. Well. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, like, I actually think that would be good for you. And like, you seem ready. You know, you just got off orientation, but I think you're doing really well. Like, I, I think we can do that. And so, yeah, I'll be I'll be trained in Brexon alone. Wow. Um, that is so awesome. Congratulations. And like, I am so proud of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I get my yeah, we're like doing our classes, I think next month on it. Um, I'm super excited. So yeah, thanks. Very cool. Um, okay, actual final question. Um, if someone like heard something you were saying, and they really resonated with you, or like they have a question for you, or just want to like, chat with you or contact you in some way, um, how can they find you? Um, I mean, I don't think I want to put my phone number out there. But I'm yeah, they can also just find you through me. Yeah too um, I mean I'm Anna Bennett on Facebook um I'm Anna B4493 on Instagram if you want to throw me a DM yeah that's probably like the best way to reach me if you just if something resonated and you wanted to reach out or any sort of question like literally like any of the fast round questions I'm pretty accessible and you know I like social interaction so feel free to hit me up all right everyone hit her up you heard it uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Anna. thank you so much for having me. Like, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I really like that you're doing a podcast for this for, you know, for nurses, for new nurses. And I, I think, you know, to document the experiences of a lot of people, I think it's I think it's really good work. And it's a really cool like, hobby to have, too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you liked it. I want to reach as many new nurses as I can, so it would mean so much to me if you could follow and interact with us on social media at Registered the Podcast on Instagram and share this show with any new nurses you know who may be interested in being a part of this community. If any of this resonated with you, please subscribe on whatever you're listening with, either Apple Music or Spotify. I really want to deliver content that is helpful and meaningful for you. 
So please leave a review um, so I know what you liked and what else I can do to make this resonate even more with you. Finally, if you're interested in sharing your story, there is a link in our Instagram bio at registered the podcast for you to fill out with your information so I can contact you. Thanks so much. Can't wait to hear from you.